Hello everybody and welcome back to Witch Fix. Today we're going to be looking at The Last Witch Hunter from 2016. A very good year, said no one. Um, I apologise if my plot summary makes even less sense than usual because I am experimenting with making my own iced coffee and may have accidentally just drank about 18 espressos worth and I feel like I can smell colours. It's bizarre, but there we go. I had actually seen this film prior to starting the podcast or maybe just after I started it because I then purchased a copy to rewatch and review and didn't get around to it for two years because I'm a professional. But uh, today I sat down and watched it. Uh, this is a film that stars Vin Diesel. I have mixed feelings on Mr. Diesel because has anyone ever referred to him as Mr. Diesel? Because that just sounded weird coming out of my mouth. Anyway, because of uh, uh, an interview that he did back in, I think, 2016 uh, for the X movie like the latest one uh which was really sexist and very strange um go look it up if you haven't seen it already because wow but uh yeah my feelings about that aside uh i do quite enjoy this movie and that's mostly not because of the main character or, or really anything to do with him it's generally to do with a lot of the vibe the visuals and the secondary ca character who is actually a witch so let's just jump into the plot summary so we're introduced to Vin Diesel back in the past, I'm not sure when, but 800 years before the present day of when this was filmed, so around that time. Um, and everyone's sort of dressed in like furs and they have very eccentric looking beards. Uh, we're introduced to him as Calder and he's there to hunt the Witch Queen, who is the cause behind a Black Plague which is currently ravaging the land so he's there with a bunch of priests and other hunters who are there to destroy her and save everybody we are told um through some incidental dialogue that her heart must be destroyed to kill her that will pretty much kill anything uh but i think i get what they're meaning but like, it's a little bizarrely phrased let's let's leave it at that they go inside a giant tree which is on the horizon Picture the biggest tree you've ever seen, now picture it differently and bigger. It's huge. The inside is full of a lot of candles and jawbones, which is definitely a, an evil vibe. Uh, the witch appears and she seems to be made out of tree roots. She's got some very kind of rooty looking hair and is just generally very grey and gnarled looking. Uh, we then see the group of hunters and priests being attacked by flies and also these uh, poisonous thorns that when they stick you you die and a load of flies come out of your body so that's pretty cool uh, we're told that only iron and fire can kill witches so sort of similar lore to um, things that killed the fae uh, this whole film in general reminded me a lot of the holly black um, tithe series tithe ironside uh, which also have that kind of modern fey old things new things mixing together and i'll mention that as we go through the witches then start to attack the the hunters and they seem to be sort of feral golem like creatures which is odd there we go uh, and then vin diesel falls down a big hole in the ground and uh, briefly has a flashback of a wife and daughter who we are assured are dead uh, because he's, he's lost everybody and that's sort of why he's here. Uh, the witch queen gives us a bit of backstory on, on the plague and why she's created it. Uh, she basically thinks that humans are trespassing on the witch's world. So sort of implying that there is some sort of racial difference between them, which is covered later. But her aim is, is clearly to wipe out humankind. She ties him down with some roots, but he sets those on fire. 
and then he stabs her. As everything bursts into fire around them, she grabs at his chest while being stabbed and says that they're both going to die. And he kind of welcomes death because he has nothing to live for. But she says that he will never know peace and he will never die. And she curses him with immortality, which normally I wouldn't call a curse. But in this instance, it's very clear that he wants peace. He wants to like leave his life behind and she's not going to allow that. She then crumbles into a pile of ashes and you can't argue with a pile of ash. We then cut to the present and we see a plane flying through a sort of storm cloudy sky. Akulda is on board the plane but obviously now dressed in modern attire. Lightning begins to slash and crash outside of the plane and he starts moving around with a staple floating in a glass of water which is pointing like a compass and helping him to identify a young lady who is a witch. Uh, he sits down next to her and she seems very frightened and says that she hasn't done anything but he says that she has something on her that he's been looking for for a while and this turns out to be a set of what look like three jagged rocks which are all kind of stuck together and he says that they're weather runes which control like wind and rain and sun and that by smushing them all together she has essentially created this storm as if like different weather fronts were smashing into each other but he does say at least you didn't get them wet so I think we can all agree that that's going to happen before the end of the movie. He then separates them using some tools and magic powder and she asks not to be turned into the witch council and not to be murdered but he says that he's just there to make sure that she doesn't hurt herself so We've seen a big change between how he appeared in like the prologue part of the movie where he was just a warrior and now he seems to be a bit more diplomatic and to be seeing the shades of grey in which kind. We then get some voiceover from Michael Caine who if he's in a movie is either going to be a benevolent father figure or will betray you. Just we'll, we'll see what happens but uh, the, there is a betrayer in the mix here. He gives us some voiceover explaining that witches live among us in secret and are actually descendants of an ancient race separate to humanity but it's been diluted and, and interbred quite a lot into leaving basically human individuals with powers. So I'm guessing the feral witches we saw at the beginning were less diluted and had like more strength. Uh, they apparently govern themselves and the core rule in sustaining a truce between them and the, the witch hunters is that magic must not be used on humans. Uh, the witch hunters themselves are known as the Axe and Cross and they seem to comprise of literally just Vin Diesel and a bunch of priests. Uh, Michael Caine himself has the job title of Dolan which transfers from one person to another. He's basically a handler for Calder and also a record keeper of his many adventures over his like 800 years of life. This kind of reminded me of the Hellboy movie, like the, the original Hellboy movie, not the, the one that just got remade. Because in that, again, it was like a sort of supernatural being being handled by a human and the kind of unease came from the supernatural beings interacted with humans. It appears that Michael Caine, who I'm going to have to refer to as Michael Caine because there are two characters in this film called Dolan and it's just going to get confusing, but Michael Caine is on the verge of retirement and so Calder gives him a silver fountain pen thing as a gift and uh, they talk for a little bit about what Calder would do if he was retiring, but... Calder basically has no life. He has no partners, no friends, uh, nothing really outside of, of hunting. So obviously we've, we've got the sort of the beginning of an arc here. We're introduced to Elijah Wood, who is a young priest who is going to be taking over the role of Dolan following Michael Caine's imminent retirement. And we learn that by everyone else in Axe and Cross, 
um, Calder is viewed as a weapon and not really as a person and Michael Caine has been trying to look out for him and treat him more as a human being so obviously he's keen for that to continue and for Calder not to be used as an object. We then see Elijah Wood being tailed by a big guy with a beard, more on Beardy later. However, the next day Calder receives news that Michael Caine has died, uh, which is concerning because obviously he retired that day and then also died, which is suspicious as fuck. So after being introduced to Elijah Wood formally as the 37th in the, the line of Dolans, uh, they decide to go and check out Michael Caine's apartment. They go there and do some investigating, during which we get a little bit of lore on magic, uh, that basically a witch's magic is made up of the four elements, earth, air, fire and water, and that these can help to reveal magic. Uh, so Calder goes around breathing on windows to see if a sigil will show up, uh, and also holding a flame in the air to, I guess, see if anything weird happens, but nothing does. He then sprinkles some powder. I wasn't sure if this was earth. Uh, like if this was like the dirt test for magic but whatever it is disrupts a concealment spell on the apartment showing that he's actually been wrecked and evidence that michael kane was held there and tortured uh, calder is then very suspicious of elijah wood and grabs hold of his hand to test him with this ring that he wears that glows when he comes into contact with witches nothing happens but he does notice that elijah wood has burnt hands and he tells him the story of how he met Calder the first time when he was a small child his family and home were burned by witches and Calder rescued him so that's why he has these burns on his hands. Calder notices that the fountain pen has been stolen because he finds the, the empty box and I don't know why this happens next I feel like I missed something when I was writing notes but they go to a bakery where um, maggots and bugs and rotten things are being turned into pretty cupcakes by butterflies and apparently they go there to have this mysterious curly tendril of herb analyzed but i missed the part where they found that in the apartment or what significance it had but they go there they meet max who is a powerful warlock and uh, they decide to try and get his help in tracking down this herb he says that the person who purchased it from him had an odd smell uh, like crab apples and formaldehyde or arsenic I think it was arsenic um and somehow from this calder realizes that they are looking for someone who is staying in a very old civil war era funeral parlor near a crab apple tree so that's where they decide to go this whole section was very unclear to me and it all happened very quickly so i apologize if i got any of that wrong we see a kid out on the street following a trail of gummy bears to a gummy bear tree so he starts picking gummy bears because this kid's parents clearly never read him any fairy tales. Uh, but he's stopped by Calder, who then like turns back to the tree and it is just a, a tree with rotting apples around it. Which again reminded me of the Holly Black Tithe series where you see like these feasts going on under the hill and the fairy uh, court eating these very strange delights. But which when given to humans kind of ensnare them and tie them to the court and are up to nefarious purposes. The bearded guy from before is watching out of a window, but when Calder enters the building, he's gone. But there is a little girl there. It turns out not to be a little girl. It's a man under an illusion. So he, he tries to stab Calder and gets knocked unconscious for his trouble. But uh, the pen is discovered in his immediate vicinity. So clearly this guy had something to do with the death of Michael Caine. So he takes him back to the church to be prosecuted by the witch council who appear to be in the church's basement. 
Um, there we go. I don't think we find out the names of anyone on the Witch Council, and to be honest, they don't appear for very long. Uh, but they do judge him by tarot card, which is quite cool. However, the tarot says that he worked alone, which called a dispute because the illusion magic needed to appear as a little girl is something that hasn't been practiced for hundreds of years since the fall of the Witch Queen. He's overruled and the head of the Witch's Council uses a necklace pendant that looks like a scorpion to summon what I'm going to call a wood crab. It's like a giant crab thing made of wood. I guess it had a cool name in the movie, but I missed it. But the wood crab, which then takes uh, Alec, who is the witch that they found at the scene, uh, away to witch prison, which is not very cleverly named. They, they just name a lot of things by putting witch in front of it. So like the witch council sends him to witch prison, or I guess he gets put in witch orange onesie and sentenced to witch community service. Unclear. Calder then goes to check up on Michael Caine's body, which, yep, it's still Michael Caine. Uh, but this is because he noticed a plague fly in the room the witch's council was in. And then he finds another one inside Michael Caine, which is just disgusting. But apparently this is something that they would put inside you to break your will and get you to tell them something. So it's like an interrogation tactic. And the result is that Michael Caine is cursed. And the only way to return him to the world of the living is to kill the witch who put the curse on him. And they only have about two days to do this before he's dead forever. So we've got a ticking clock here, gentlemen. It turns out that with the blood smears on uh, his diary, Michael Caine has left a message for Calder, which is, remember your death. So Calder decides to go to a witch bar, because we're just putting witch on the front of everything, uh, to get a memory potion so he can actually remember the moment at which he technically died and became immortal. The magic bar is the coolest place in the world, and it's kind of sad that we don't really get to spend a lot of time there. Uh, but we do meet the owner, she's a red-headed lady who's later revealed to be called Chloe, kind of circulating, handing out these drinks. There's a lot of like glowing CGI stuff going along. It's sort of a cross between like an apothecary and a really cool hipster bar. I love it. I would like my room to resemble it. We see Calder arrive, which makes the clientele immediately very nervous uh, to the extent that all of them leave, including Miranda the barmaid. Chloe stays there, I guess maybe out of bravado, and he says that he wants to buy a memory potion from her. She keeps upping the price because she does not want to help him, but they have a little conversation, and apparently she decides that he's sincere when he says that he just wants to help a friend, and she agrees to make the potion. The potion making is really cool. It involves a lot of herbs being like set on fire and then a syringe full of like glowy bluey green stuff which she injects into a cocktail cherry which he then eats. Uh, we then see some cool flashback scenes like snow starts to fall inside the bar and he is transported in memory back to the witch hunt prior to his death. He finds the witch and his own burned body but then he is abruptly woken by the bearded guy snapping him partially out of the memory spell uh, because obviously there's something that the other witches don't want him to remember or have access to the information held within that memory because then Beardy starts wrecking the bar to prevent Chloe performing another memory spell and while Calder tries to fight him he gets like disassociated again back into the memory so he's kind of unable to fight. Uh, Chloe starts grabbing magic powders and when she goes to blow it in Calder's face he initially attacks her thinking that she's like the witch queen of his imaginings but eventually he does snap out of it and try to subdue Beardy. Unfortunately, Beardy is sort of 
ahead of the game because some tree roots appear and start like pulling him down through the floor as like I guess an escape route and Calder only manages to get a handful of his jacket instead. Now these roots apparently just took Beardy outside because in the next scene he is in the street outside and this just seems like a waste of route travel. I guess I'm not auditing these people but it does seem like a waste. Uh, Chloe is pissed off at Calder for burning her place of business to the ground even though technically it's not really his fault uh, but she runs off and is seen by Beardy outside so obviously he's going to go after her because she can still make memory potions which is bad. Uh, she goes home and decides to get drunk because her place of business has recently been burned to the ground and uh, she is then unfortunately stalked by exploding light bulbs and then the roots come and grab her and try and take her to I guess some sort of subterranean witch HQ. It, it's never discussed where she's gone, but a root place full of roots. Uh, she does some screaming uh, and gets pulled out of there by Calder somehow and wakes up at his apartment. We never find out how she got there or where he intercepted her in the world of roots, but um, sure, she's at his apartment now. They identify Beardy as a guy called Belial and Chloe confronts Calder and Elijah Wood about the destruction of her bar and how she's still annoyed at them. So essentially at this point she's Misty from the first episode of Pokemon and she just wants her bike back. She does however agree to help Calder in exchange for protection from the forces that are clearly after her too and uh, Calder hands over the scrap of coat to Elijah Wood to identify the red substance which is on it. Chloe decides to take him to her barmaid Miranda's house because Miranda also grows herbs and may be able to help them. But when they get there, the plant is gone and Miranda has been murdered. So that's very sad. Uh, Calder comforts Chloe and they share a little bit of sort of intimacy, a little bit of talking about how he is misunderstood by the witch community and also witches have been misunderstood by humankind. They're bonding. It's lovely. They then go to a sort of fashion show where a load of like beautiful women are getting done up in these very fairy-esque floral costumes made out of like flowers and leaves and twigs and stuff. It's very artsy. But in the mirrors, their faces are distorted. So they appear to be magical creatures of some kind, maybe witches. Unclear. They meet with a woman whose name I did not catch. So I'm going to call her Denise. And she has a hooker, which she's just smoking in her room and she promises to give them the plant which is then handed over to Chloe but she has put some sort of weird herb into the smouldering charcoals of this hooker pipe and this renders Vin Diesel somehow paralysed as he's transported back to memories of his wife and child. Fortunately Chloe is able to penetrate into these visions and convince him to wake up at which point he kicks ass and uh manages to subdue all the witches who were trying to, I guess, carry him away to a secondary killing location. Unclear why they didn't just kill him straight away. But there we go. I mean, I realise that he's like meant to be immortal, but has anyone tried cutting his head off and then just taking it somewhere else? Because I bet you could. Once they have subdued Denise and are threatening a tiny crystal that she wears in a necklace around her neck, she reveals that Belial has been collecting burial dirt, which is the red substance on his clothing, and that she used a teeny bit of it to incapacitate um, Calder, but that Belial has the majority of it and is using it for some reason. Chloe then crushes the crystal and this reveals that Denise is actually like a thousand years old because her face crumbles into dust and falls off, which is mildly amusing. Uh, following this whole 
memory incident Chloe reveals that she's actually something called a dreamwalker which is apparently meant to be like a dark magic talent much like Castletongue uh, and that she's always hidden it because it's viewed as being this evil thing and we later find out that the witch queen's greatest assassins were dreamwalkers because they can just get inside your mind and if you die in your mind you die in real life much like the matrix Corda, however doesn't seem to think that she's evil and he then says that she needs to use her talent to help him recover his memory because because she's a dreamwalker she doesn't need a memory potion so they can stop looking for this plant now they are finally able to complete the memory recovery process and they find out that when his burned body was discovered by the first Dolan, who I think is just a priest called Dolan, which is weird, uh, and the rest of the witch hunters, they realise that he's still alive. But when they try and destroy the witch's heart, he feels pain. So they realise that he is tied to that heart and that as long as it exists, he is immortal. But also as long as it exists, the Witch Queen can be brought back, which is the, the Witch Queen's evil plan. And that's why they tortured Michael Caine, was to find out where the order of the, what did I call it before, the hammer and the sword, the iron and the cross, the priest guys are hiding the heart. Uh, so obviously Calder is a bit miffed that he's been lied to for 800 years uh, by Michael Caine and also now by Elijah Wood. So he's pissed. Uh, meanwhile, Max, the, the super powerful sorcerer who owned that cake shop, because I don't know why, uh, is sacrificed at a large tree. Unclear if this is meant to be the, the, the big tree, but if it is, it's a lot smaller now uh, in order to bring the witch back. Calder confronts Elijah Wood over the truth and uh, about how they didn't destroy the heart when they should have done, but uh, nothing really comes of that except everyone getting annoyed. Corda then goes to confront the witches at the tree where the witch queen is being resurrected. No idea how he knew to go there. The film does kind of gloss over that. Um, maybe he followed the beardy guy there. Unclear. But um, he sees Max there sort of half buried in roots. Um, they converse via Max for a while before the witch controlling his body uh, pulls something out of Calder's chest, I guess just energy, and says that he wasn't cursed with immortality, he was just carrying her immortality for her to reclaim at a later date. Uh, Calder is then revealed to be mortal again because obviously she's she's had her immortality back now, I guess it's on a timeshare basis. He does get impaled by a little bit of rebar but just through the shoulder and he walks that off like it's nothing, so that doesn't really matter but the witch queen then vanishes so clearly she's gone off to conduct her evil evil scheme which is probably going to be the evil evil scheme she was doing before because the villains in these movies are never really inventive and they always try and do the same thing multiple times. Corder then returns home uh, Michael Caine wakes up because during the altercation with the witch queen he did manage to kill Beardy so Michael Caine can now have a speaking role in this film again. They talk a little bit about what the Witch Queen's plan is probably going to be and that is the same plan she had before, uh, that she will use the witch prison, uh, which is where they've been putting all the witches who are bad, like in the same place, because that's clever, uh, in order to power her attempts to start a new plague on humanity. And um, Calder mentions that she has formed the perfect coven, because you know they put all the people who hate witch hunters in the same place so i don't know what they were expecting uh calder then gets tooled up and chloe gets a tiny knife and she says just because she's a witch doesn't mean she can't hunt witches which i respect i love chloe she's cool uh, they meet up then with elijah wood who's wearing a white turtleneck the least practical item of clothing to wear to an underground adventure against evil 
Uh, they do go to the church together and find that a new plague tree is growing in it and that it has these weird hives all over it which are full of plague flies and that once all the witch's power has gone into them the flies will erupt out of this tree and end mankind i guess so we've up to the stakes uh, they go down into the prison and find that all of the witches who were there have been kind of frozen in stasis but are chanting um, which is what's lending their power to the flies. So Calder says they need to find the weak link, which is, of course, Alec, because he's the only witch we've previously been introduced to. And he then says that Chloe needs to enter Alec's mind to kill him in his mind, disrupt the chanting and stop the plague flies from being released. So while she's doing that, he goes off to fight the wood crab, which is not happy that they are taking prisoners out of the prison. So he fights that and, and she goes into Alec's brain. Elijah Wood is left to watch over Chloe while uh, Calder goes looking for the Witch Queen. She does manage to kill Alec inside his mind and the chanting does stop. The hives of flies. Do flies even live in hives? Where do they live? Do they live nowhere? Are they nomadic? I have so many questions about flies. Anywho, I should stop making my own coffee. Um, but they all stop glowing and no flies come out, so I guess that's kind of a win. Calder then sees an illusion of a world without humans. Nature has reclaimed all of the cars and skyscrapers and a giant trees in the background, so I guess he's in the future liberals want. And the Witch Queen says that there's nothing he can do to stop her because he's mortal. He vehemently disagrees and they fight. He's then about to kill her, so... You know, I mean, he managed to kill her when he was mortal before, so I don't know what she was expecting. But then, shock horror, Elijah Wood appears, threatening Chloe's life. And in the most garbled piece of exposition ever, like, it's literally like three lines said, super fast, he reveals that the witches called her killed were actually his parents, and that Elijah Wood is actually a witch, born of witches, but he has no powers. But he betrays them because he wants to serve the witch queen, I guess that's all there is to it i guess it's meant to be a surprise but someone had to betray someone and michael kane isn't there so has to be someone else they then uh subdue calder and they sub chloe in in alec's place so the chanting begins again and the plague flies are then released uh, michael kane sees this from the apartment that he's just in out in new york because they didn't bother to bring him to the fight the witch queen then kills elijah wood because she says that without magic he's just a human so you know, he, he got pretty much owned as soon as he revealed himself to be a traitor, which is fine. Uh, Calder is at this point very near death, but he sees, you know, the usual trademarked family coming to tell him that it's okay and he needs to like, carry on with his destiny vision. Uh, and then he gets up, uh, seemingly not bothered that Elijah Wood shot him a couple of times um, and goes on fighting the witch. He smushes the weather runes from the beginning of the movie together and drops them in a puddle. So now they're wet and they do the same thing that they did before. So I guess it's no big deal if they get wet, but they make a big storm in, inside the cave and he manages to kill the witch queen. The flies all die in the air and just fall on New York like black snow, which I feel like creates even more of a health risk because now there's just plague flies everywhere someone's gonna have to clean that up anywho uh calder wakes up on the ground after stabbing the witch queen and realizes that all of his injuries have been healed not that they were holding him back anyway because 
you know, he'd been stabbed and shot a bunch and he was still walking around. He realises this is because the witch's heart is still alive and he uncovers it in the pile of her ashes. He's about to kill it but then Chloe says that he can't take the risk that this will kill him as well because when she was in the shadows she saw that there are worse things than the witch queen all of which are waiting for him to be dead so that they can come out and you know have a go at humanity so um sh she's very against him killing himself via stabbing the witch heart she also promises to help him and that he won't be alone now which seems to sway things in her favor we then cut to uh, Calder sitting with Michael Caine on a bench outside the church which I'm hoping they fumigated uh, and they talk about how he's broken ties with the axe and cross which is the name of the thing that I couldn't remember earlier uh, but Michael Caine is still going to help him and then he walks over to his car and Chloe's there so I guess you know they've made like a little team uh, sort of like Men in Black you know remember the end of Men in Black the first film god that was a good movie a team is born and then the movie ends and there was no sequel so We'll never know what those other things were, and I'm quite disappointed. I do like this movie. It does fall into that weird category of, like, fantasy action adventure, which I, I quite like films in that category, like the original Mummy films, Brendan Fraser, things like that. They tend to have, like, some cool, spooky, supernatural stuff in them, but also a bunch of, like, quips, and because they're Hollywood movies, the, the acting tends to be really good, and the effects, obviously, are pretty big budget, so it's got that going for it. I do like Chloe's character and her powers. I kind of wish we'd seen her do more magic um, because we get to see her preparing the memory potion. We see her in the bar. We see her kind of entering people's memories, but it's just her touching people. So it's not that magical. And I kind of wish that maybe she had been the focus of the film rather than just like the side character to, you know, main action hero guy with sword kicks people and murders them so that's that's kind of sad i feel like she's underutilized but aside from that it is a pretty good watch um, there's a lot of cool witchy stuff in like the backgrounds and backdrops i'm not too keen on the kind of idea that it's just like this religious group that's in the rights and then they're like witches who are mostly in the wrong except for like six of them uh, which seems a bit mean, but I guess at the end he does break from them and becomes like a third group, which is like him and witches, so I guess that's okay. I do wish that we'd seen more good witches, aside from just Chloe and the people we meet on the witch council who die off screen after the one scene they're in, uh, so that's kind of disappointing. But all in all, I do enjoy this film. It's pretty fun and light entertainment-y not a huge amount relating back to modern paganism aside from you know some of the symbolism and you know the witches drawing on the four elements which is only really mentioned once if you've enjoyed it if you know of other films like it do let me know you can do so in the normal ways via the comments or the twitter account so go and add me on there if you haven't already and remember to follow me on instagram as well uh, which is just witch fix podcast where i post like just magic bits, spells, um, recipes from my herbiary, various other things, etc, etc. I'm going to go make myself some chamomile tea, and in the meantime, I'll see you in the next one.